Hey, everyone, and welcome to Out on a Limb podcast. We are so excited this new year. We promised you some fantastic guests, and we are starting off with a bang with Reverend Willis Polk, who is here from Kentucky on Zoom with us for a wonderful conversation and a much needed conversation. He is, he's been in the ministry for 50 years, pastoring for 42 of those as a Baptist pastor. Uh, and what's so fascinating is that he's also interested and has explored the metaphysical. And so this is why it's so important to have these kinds of conversations. Two other things that are really interesting about this guy. He has a publication, his, one of his most recent publications called The Journey. And the purpose of that was to aid and assist seekers of the inward way. And if you'll remember, my first book was called The Journey Within with a similar purpose. There have been so many synchronicities since we met Reverend Polk, and we met him through uh, Dr. Jim Roach in Kentucky, who reached out to us for a session, had a session, and then suggested that Reverend Polk contact us about a channeling session. Now, I don't know about you all, <laughs> but I can list on one hand, on two fingers, frankly, the number of pastors or preachers that have reached out for metaphysical work with us. One is Reverend Polk. The other one was a VA yep. uh, retired pastor who got received Reiki from us. Mm -hmm. So this is a much needed conversation. And we are so happy that you're here with us, Reverend Polk. Good to be here. Glad to meet you all and uh, look forward to the discussion. And um, I'm ready to get started whenever you guys are. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. So let's start off with your background. You've had a long um, history within the church and also a lot of significant experiences outside of the church that have shaped who you are today. So get us up to speed with how all of this came about for you, some of the significant adventures that you've had uh, over the past 40 and 50 years. What is it that we need to know about Reverend Polk? Well, I do know that um, stuff got started really before I entered the ministry. Uh, I can go back to age five or 10, or 12 and age 18. Uh, I knew at age five, there was a little something going on that I just, I mean, at five years old, what are you going to say, you know? <laughs> you know? It's almost like people who have a, what do you call it, a um, um, a friend, what, what do they call it? A, a, An imaginary friend? A, a imaginary friend. It, it wasn't like that so much as it was um, something that was going on in my mind, my thoughts, my emotions. I was aware of it, didn't know, did not know, never said anything to my parents about it, as far as I can remember. And I knew that something was uh, upon me at age five, but then at age 10, I knew that something was in me, after me, <laughs> that kind of thing. That's the way I looked at it. And I promise you all, I did plenty of dreaming between age 10, 12, up to age about 18. Never could figure out what the dream meant. Mm. And uh, I always found myself uh, up in the air uh, uh, flying with no wings. I was almost like this in the <laughs> dream the whole time, you know. And I, I couldn't figure that out. Some, day, some nights it was a good situation. Oftentimes it was scary. And um, then at about age 18, I mean, I looked at some other stuff when I was, uh, read other books that when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, they had to do. Uh, mainly with um, uh, what do you call it? It's what the Masons do. That uh, they, they, you know, the the Masonic stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I looked at a lot of that. Yep. But um, at about age eighteen, stuff cooled off because hormones got to jumping, and I jumped over the fence, ran down the road for a little while. But whatever that was, came back and got me. And at, and at age uh, twenty-three, I surrendered. Mm. Amazing. And that was, I mean, that was off the chart, you all. Um, I, I have gone into detail with some people about what happened at, at age 23. And uh, it was uh, pivotal. It was miraculous. It was life-changing. It, it today, some people would consider that a kundalini experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and now, see, <laughs> in my journey... In recent years, you know, I, I, I've discovered that uh, we all are looking at pretty much the same thing. We just use in different language. Mm. 
Yep. And, uh, see, I would say a conviction, conversion, redemption, and somebody else would say a kundalini experience and whatever else they, they would make use of. And the thing that uh, prepared me for that was in my first year in college at Simmons Bible College, I took a comparative religious study. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that everybody, regardless of whether it was uh, uh, Hinduism or Buddhism, everybody had a pathway. Mm-hmm. And I was interested in knowing where are they going, what are they trying to achieve, what are the benefits, and that kind of stuff. We call it spiritual growth and development. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I had to keep that to myself, you all. <laughs> I'm, I'm a black Baptist preacher in the conservative state of Kentucky, and you know, uh, it just so happened that uh, my professor told me, he said, now, uh, Willis, don't be too quick to take this stuff to the pulpit. it get you fired. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he, and that, that was back in 1974, 75, maybe 76. Wow. But I saw, I saw in my comparative religious studies that uh, everybody's groping in the dark, trying to get to the same place, but we all calling it something just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, as as Baptists, ain't nobody going to heaven but us. <laughs> that is so amazing. I love this, and I want to hear more of your story. But it's so amazing that that early you got it, you understood that, and it no, wasn't... I saw it. I, I really saw it, but didn't know what to do with it. Right? Uh, yeah. It right. Was more that than understanding it and doing something with it. I was afraid to make a move. I mean, you talking about back in the 70, 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, you stay in line, you you know, you wait your turn. And I, I tried to, I promise you, I, it was a bit frustrating. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Okay, Amazing. so. Well, you, you have st- no one to talk to about it. Like that yeah. would be just, you would be in such well, a box it, with those thoughts. <laughs> in, in some ways, I mean, you know, your early childhood, I as you were, as you were mentioning that, I'm thinking back to my childhood and that's, I didn't I wasn't raised in that in that Christian framework or in that understanding, but yet I knew there was something and I just felt it. I felt it inside that there was something that I'd reach out for, something that I'd that I could just feel in me, but I couldn't explain it to anybody. I couldn't explain it even to myself, but I just knew. I just knew something was there. And that's where I was, Bill. That's, yeah. that's where I was. And some and some and to, to Samantha's point, um when I was a child. I didn't know what to say about it. And as an adult, I didn't know who to talk to about it. I still felt alone because if I just sort of hinted at it, somebody else would just shake their head and go on. I I had no one to talk to about it. Yeah. Wow. yeah. That's exactly what I talked about in my book is when I was 13, which was probably in the 70s also. Yeah. Mid to late 70s. <clears throat> I went to my Episcopal priest and mentioned some of these things and he basically shut me down immediately. And it was, that was my learning. You don't talk about that. I remember, just don't. Yeah. And I was in, I remember my comparative um, religions class and, you know, the um, college Lutheran minister mm-hmm. taught it. And of course I'm questioning everything he says to the point that it's disrupting the whole class. And I'm just going, this can't be it. This can't be all there is because I can feel there's more. And he wanted me out of that class so badly. <laughs> now, back then, I felt like that there was something else. Now, I feel like there's much more. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I can I can relate to that, Samantha. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So keep going. Catch us up after that. What happened after doing <laughs> all these things? Well, I, and... I just like that he's saying Kundalini experience. <laughs> and, and it's coming out of a Baptist Correct. minister. Correct. Like, it's like that way. Yeah, Beautiful. it's wonderful. <laughs> well, you know, from 1974 to 1979, uh, I was hard at it preparing myself, uh, you know, in my acknowledgement of a call to preach. And I, I believe in that. Um, uh, I got busy. I, you know, I held the Bible up in front of myself and I said, this is my textbook the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. OK, so I mean, I jumped in both feet and went to work and worked real hard between uh 74 and 79. And then I got called to my first church, my home church, you all. Uh, my own church called wow. me to, to pastor. And um, I jumped in there fully charged, ready to go. And um, shortly therein, I mean, two years into that first pastorate, I was like, oh, what? I mean, there was this thing about <clears throat> 
me recognizing that I had a lifetime to go, but the juice really wasn't there. I didn't really feel the juice. The, the, the charge and all that I experienced when I was first converted that brought about all that change. I mean, that I, I, I lived out of that. I was propelled by all of that. I was motivated by that. I drew out of that and, and did all that I did. But when I started pastoring, having to pour into people, something emerged with me that, that let me know, oh, there's much more to this than I realized. And if 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 what I have going for me is all that I have, I said to myself, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> that was two years into my pastoring. Ooh, and I don't know why it, it was like the moment the Lord said something to Abraham by going by going and, and walking, immediately here comes a famine. See, that's what I like it then too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had all of this, and then shortly therein, there's a famine in the land. <laughs> there's a scarcity of something, and I recognized it, and I promise you all, it with me. I had again, I had no one to talk to. And um, after three years into the ministry, into the pastorate, uh, I was looking for an exit. Because the Apostle Paul, when he was convicted on the road uh, to, the, to Damascus, when he was, you know, uh, uh, slaughtering the, the Christians and things and got converted, he jumped out there and tried to preach this stuff, but discovered, oops, this is more than I realized. And he turned aside and went into the desert of Arabia for three years. Y'all, that's exactly what I did. Wow. I exited the pastorate, and the church just could not figure out why. And uh, it just so happened that I had a Catholic friend who knew of a Jesuit priest who had just come to town. And by that time, I had resigned from my church. And she said, Willis, I, I think I know what, you, what you're dealing with. She referred to it as a dark night of the soul. <laughs> never heard of it you all never heard of it <laughs> and uh and when she explained it to me i understood where i was and see all the way back to about 1985 86 when i got that information that helped me to to know and to understand what it means to get understanding of something because if you at least understand what it is that you're dealing with that's half the battle, okay? So I get with this priest in uh, 1986, unheard of, Baptist preaching here with a Catholic. <laughs> it's a setup of a joke. I was going to say, it sounds like a setup to a joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I am, you know, going and visiting this, this priest every two weeks. And I mean, he he was on, he, 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 he tutored me in spirituality in a way using St. Ignatius of Loyola stuff, and you all, I promise you, it was a blessing. It was a blessing. He, he taught me, see, I, I, I would say this. There are many people in the church that are in the way. They're just not on the way. Mm -hmm. My booklet is designed to help get you not only in the way, but on the way. And uh, Allison's book says, here's some things you can do while on the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, the synchronicity is just that. When I read the book, I was like, oh, that, and, and, see, and see, Allison, for where you are in that book, that's where I am now. Now, I could not pass that on to people that I know now because they're just not ready for it, okay? But I spent 20 years with Dr. Hank Kenny, and um, that's when I began to really journal in detail because I wanted to know the method you all to the madness. <laughs> and my journaling actually, and I have a I have a thing on my shelf here where I really started journaling uh in August 1983. Wow. So I have 40 years of this stuff that I've poured out on paper and stuff. And the method of it is, you know, it, this is the booklet that I put together. And in it 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 shows how how to recognize where you are and how to determine which way to go and and the stuff you're going to be up against and the experiences that you're going to have yeah i tried to i try to detail them clarify them and help people understand what they're up against mm -hmm. 
So after three years, I mean, Hank Kenny helped me tap in you all. He helped me tap in. And I'm thankful to the Lord for that. And um, uh, when I went to my second church, a church asked me if I would become their interim pastor. Because that pastor had passed, and I started as an interim pastor. Three weeks into that, I knew I wasn't going to be able to get out of that. <laughs> I knew I was like, oops, uh, I think I'm going to be here for a while. I, that's, that's me talking to myself, okay? And uh, when I started pastoring the second church, someone joined the church every Sunday for 104 Sundays. Wow. And see, I was drawing out of my new found experience with as we would say source or god you see i can go there i i, <laughs> I find myself in and out of what people now would would refer to as the fourth and fifth dimension unheard of in the baptist and i never heard of you know and uh to uh you know the church i recognize is 3d 3d all the way <laughs> And uh, when I found myself in and out of those dimensions, not knowing what they were again at that point, um, my preaching was not with eloquence or anything like that. It was with much assurance and much power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, for 104 Sundays. Wow. And the first Sunday that someone did not join, my daughter said, it scared her to death. <laughs> <laughs> she said she started to join herself all over again because no one came but having said that um i began to take some of what hank kenny had shown me in uh spiritual formation spiritual direction spiritual guidance and i began to put it in my new members class it's like when years ago when when, when i when our parents wanted us to take a laxative they would hide that stuff in something i'd be that's so, <laughs> so I began to hide some of that stuff in my new members class and they I mean they they were open to it and I went from I went from 65 to 70 members uh to about 400 members in about three years because the people that were growing I showed them how to make appropriate application of the truth that they had now come into. Yes. Yes. And, um, and we all, I preached up a storm, man, and passed it up a storm until that church got crazy on me. And we, I ended up, uh, we ended up going our separate ways. I took about 200 people with me in 1997. And by 1994, I think I had about 900 members. Wow. And all of it was based based on new member stuff, new people who are new to the to the church, people who are new to the kingdom, people who are new to the world. I was able to aid and assist them in a way that in my first church is wasn't able to do it. And um, it's been um, it's been crazy. I've taken about eleven hundred people through what is called a master life program, and I've taken about two thousand people through uh, what is called. Um, uh, a new members class and then uh, I've just started with my journey book in August of this year mm -hmm. and I'm, the approach is totally different I'm able to really nurture pastor help develop you know help people identify issues that exist in their lives that they uh, that they can deal with this is so amazing. It really is. Can I just say about the journey thing? Yes. Hang on just one second. I wanted to mention yeah. that yesterday we had, just yesterday we had a client uh, who is also around a lot of 3D people yeah. and her higher self explained how, even though she'll be using 3D verbiage, 3D words to say some of these concepts to people, they will hear it in the way that it needs to be. They're going to hear the energy of it and they're going to get it. Mm -hmm. So even though the lingo will still sound familiar to her, she won't have to use 4D and 5D language because that's out of their understanding. They're going to hear it. Right. So when they're ready, they're hearing the energetic. And that's what your parishioners were getting when they were hearing the energetic and feeling the energy of the church. They didn't understand why they were drawn there. They thought it was because of the new members class and the information they're getting, but it's also the energy of the words that hold a vibration. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you held up the journey book, I'm looking at, I don't expect to see sacred geometry. Right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, 
how 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 are you getting along with like I, I don't know how it works there, but the politics of the the Baptist administration and so forth, uh, you know, how are they dealing with like aren't they going, you gotta you gotta do something about this guy? Like he's starting <laughs> a whole new direction. Like <laughs> Well, I, and I understand that point. That's that's a good point. Now, at, at this point, you know, I've done I've done my fifty years. I don't owe anyone anything. <laughs> you know, but I and you know, I, I say that jokingly, but uh, I am aware that you know, um, I still have to be careful, cautious, because I don't want to, you know, I, I want to help people. I really want to help. Yeah. I, in my fifty years of pastoring. It, when I look back over those 50 years, one thing I know for sure is people are sitting in those pews struggling in private. Mm -hmm. I just know that they are. Mm -hmm. They struggle with their prayer life. They struggle with their Bible reading. They struggle with their understanding of what it means to be a member of this church. They struggle with stewardship and evangel. And they struggle. Now, they may not say anything to you about it, but uh, uh, I, I do know that the struggle is there. Okay, that's, that's number one. And then secondly... Um, you know, when I when I entered into this this knowing that I have now, you know, I I, I, I will admit I I begged the Lord for clarity. I really did. I I know faith is faith is going without knowing. <laughs> I did plenty of that down through the years. I wanted to know, and uh, I said to the Lord. Well, he made me aware of the fact that uh, he showed Joseph in the in the Old Testament once where he was going to be in in, in relationship. He, he and his family and the promise that was made to him. And the biggest mistake Joseph made when he was given that clarity was he thought his brothers would embrace it and be happy with it and almost got him killed. So I said to the Lord, Lord, you make this plain to me. I promise you, I'll keep this to myself. <laughs> So when you talk about this, I mean this this sacred geometry and stuff. Most of the folk in the church don't recognize what it is anyway. I could have put three crosses on the front. I could have put a dove on the front. I could, yeah. you know. And when you open up the, when you open up the book at, on, on the first page at the bottom of it, I explain what it is anyway. <laughs> I explain it, you know. And um, most people don't have enough knowledge of it to debate you about it anyway. So that's how I proceed with it. This is an important concept, and I'm glad that you brought it up. And I want people to understand that you have to meet people where they are. Because if you were to go crazy, go full gusto on these people, you're going to alienate them. And then what good are you, right? So wherever we are, like I'm in the school, I can't just spew everything that I know to people when they ask me a question, although I want to. Because they think I'm cuckoo and they're not going to listen to me anyway. They're going to check out. So you have to you have to use the words that they're ready to hear and put it in the framework. And we can, because we understand, you and I and others who are out there who were raised in this understanding of the Christian framework, we can... We understand that meditation is Christian contemplation. Speaking in tongues is channeling. All of these different things, it's just, it's the same. Holy Spirit coming in versus Reiki energy coming in, whatever that is. Kundalini awakening versus whatever they call it in the Christian church. I never had one. <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it is about the verbiage that we use and bridging. This is why I wanted to have this conversation. We have to bridge these gaps, the collective, the ones that we channel have told us there are big divides. Your job is to throw a rope to the other side and pull people to the middle. Come find common ground. That's what we have to do. And this is the year for it, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That's, 2024. <laughs> and that's the one thing I kept when, as I'm listening to you and the one thing that keeps the vision that keeps popping into my mind or into my, into my space is, is this whole uniting of consciousness. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's already there. It's just the words that we're using. It's we're using words to divide ourselves instead of finding the words to bring ourselves together. But yet our consciousness mm -hmm. is still striving for the same thing. Our consciousness is still feeling that vibration out there of something greater, something bigger, something, you know, not of their own, but yet something that they feel drawn to. So you know, it's it's finding all the people in the right places to bring that message through. And you're doing it. We're doing it. You know, many, many of us are doing it. It's just it is a tough slog. 
but it's happening. It's happening. And that's the beautiful part yeah. in it. Yeah, this this inter this interconnectedness is there, and um, again, it's uh, you know we have watch our egos, <laughs> you know, and uh, the zeal as well. We got the you know we have keep a foot on keep a foot on the brake. But yeah, you're right. You can't you can't just take this stuff and run in with it and think everybody's gonna be happy here to hear it and that kind of stuff. They gonna look at you like you're crazy. Right. And um, I do know that. Um, uh, there's been a few white pastors in this area, especially during the time that George Foreman, George George Floyd, rather, mm. uh, all that was you know going on with with the you know in the social realm and that kind of stuff, politics, and even in the church, white pastors felt like they needed to stand up and say something from the pulpit to white churches. Mm. And one guy happened to come by and see me and told me what he was you know, determined to do and stuff and ask, ask my advice on it. And I said, well, I don't think I would start off in the pulpit. <laughs> I said, what you may want to do is catch the janitor on his way out the door after service and ask him, say, I, I want, I just want to mention something to you. He said, tell me what you think. I said, then after that, say something to the secretary, say something to somebody walking across the church parking lot. And he was so glad that he did. Because if he had taken it to the pulpit, they probably would have voted him out that Sunday. Mm -hmm. And with this stuff that I have, I don't take it to the pulpit, you know, uh, undisguised. I, I started off with Bible stuff, people that I had been teaching. Now I have about 40 people right now that I'm working with with this booklet where I started meeting with them back in September. I did one session in Lexington, did one session in Jacksonville, Florida. And it's those people that I meet every Sunday night at nine o'clock for 20 minutes. Mm. I've been in the basement with them for four hours. And and now that we're all on the same page, every Sunday night, nine o'clock, I meet with them and I, you know, deal with some aspect of the book. And uh, after the 20 minutes, anyone that wants to get off can, because if you stay on 20 more minutes, you get a chance to ask questions. Okay. Mm. And then at the end of that total 40-minute total session, it ends until the next Sunday. So that's how I go about nurturing folk. I've discovered that uh, it's best not to try to make the journey on your own. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, yeah, I know the confusion that can exist when you try to make it on your own because I experienced it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hank Kenny taught me how to have a companion along the way. And I tell people all the time, I would rather be on a storm-tossed sea with Jesus than be on dry ground without him. <laughs> yeah, I love that I love metaphor, that. I though. Love it. But the metaphor about don't take it to the pulpit right away. Yes. You know, just because you know it mm -hmm. doesn't mean you have to say it. And we have to have discernment in not only what we're taking in for ourselves, but also what we're putting out for others. Right. Um, but I want to mention to you also about this idea of bridging and meeting people where they are. See, when... Will was not raised in the church. I gave him an ultimatum because I was. And when we were ready to have children, I said, you need to come to church with me. And we went to the Methodist church. He had a baptism that raised the roof. I mean, every person in that congregation was crying. They could feel the Holy Spirit. We found out late, much later that his primary guide is Enoch. He didn't even know who that was, but that's why Enoch's energy, God's energy, it was all there and everyone felt it. So when he had that kind of awakening experience, it was within the church. So he didn't know how to framework it except for in the church. Mm -hmm. So that was his box at that moment. So everybody has their own box where they are at the moment. And that's where we have to work with them. So he goes to this walk to Emmaus. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a three, oh, yeah. three day weekend, you know, lots mm -hmm. of talks, lots of energy, beautiful stuff. He comes back, he walks down the sidewalk towards our house and I thought he was going to ask me for a divorce because he looked so different, so changed. Like I thought he had this revelation and it was that I'm not supposed to be married to you because you're a heathen. But anyway, he was a changed person such that he thought he was being called to the ministry because he was so convicted. It might have been a I was I was ready to put the sandwich boards on and stand on yeah. the stand on the street corner and, you know, call it out because that's that's how convicted I was. Right. And, and it and, you know. And I'm glad I went through the process of that and then into my, you know, my spiritual awakening, but I don't even call it an awakening because 
really that took place much earlier in my life. It was, this was just a continuation of it and an expansion of it. Kind of like, you know, you, 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 if you're a gamer, you know, you, you buy the game, but then you buy the expansion pack. So you get a, a bit more. Well, this is the same thing. So I went to the, I got baptized. I got immersed in it. And, you know, I picked up the Bible as well. And I looked at the Bible. I was like, oh, there's something in it. There's something in here. And it was Allison's mom's uh, King's James version. So I went and immediately what drew me to it was all of the red letters, all of the red lettered words, right? You know, the, the, yeah. the word, right? And so I, that's what I was reading. I didn't read anything else but the word. And it just, it resonated. It felt, I, I mean, I could feel it. And then as we stepped away and we came to Charleston, that that same energy was imparted into me through Alice and through Reiki. I could feel that same energy, that same presence, that same connectedness. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I know what this is. I know what, well, I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew there's familiarity here. And so that's where it just expanded another expansion pack. It just expanded into this now, this under this beautiful understanding. And, and it's just, it's so peaceful knowing that, you know, I, I have, that awareness about me where, you know, as you explained, there are many that, and when you say they're, they're in the way, well, yeah, they're in the way of their own selves finding that path, right? They're, they think they've got it all, but there's pieces out there that they, they're questioning in silence and, and they need that, that expression of being able to bring that out and talk to somebody about it like yourself like many right. others, um, because there are so many that really sit in silence, even those that weren't raised in, in the Christian framework that are just totally in the spiritual realm and the metaphysical realm, they still too have questions and they don't understand who to talk to. They don't have a community to talk to. And that's what's most important is having that community, having that family, having that outlet to do that. So, and one reason they remain in silence with that is because they never hear from the pulpit. If, yeah. if it was just, if it was hinted at from the pulpit, persons would open up, mm -hmm. but they are afraid to even bring it up because they don't want somebody to think that they involved in new age stuff. Yes. <laughs> right. well, right. see, now I, I come from totally different experience than y'all where I'd gone off to an Episcopal boarding school and um, beautiful. You'd sit in this beautiful chapel that had this big window that overlooked these trees, this forest, it was gorgeous and so peaceful. And I had gone to boarding school because I wanted to grow. I couldn't grow in the small environment that I was in. So all of it was just this feeling of growth, expansion, learning. Mm -hmm. And I started reading, you know, the stuff that they were having us recite or whatever in the Bible. And everything was talking about me being a sinner. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I couldn't like my whole body just revolted at that. Mm -hmm. it, it didn't resonate. I said, and I, it was interesting because I went to my, you know, the the minister there and I said, I don't understand this because everything I'm doing is for positive to grow. And this is saying, you know, I'm damned from the starting point, you know, and like, what's the <laughs> point? And the thing is, she couldn't meet me where I was at. She couldn't get into that whole thing yeah. about that. I could feel there was something more that I knew there was something greater out there. She kept trying to put me yeah. into this. And I love how how you've had this growth experience and how, you know, like anybody could walk into your ministry, like, and you could sit there and immediately go feel them out and just go, I know I can say this and you can meet them where they're at. And that's knowing that there are ministers out there who There's can do that because I was alienated. Yeah. And so from that point, church was not a safe space for me. It yeah. was not a, it, it didn't feel like a home for me. And subsequently, every time I've tried to go, I have felt like yep. I've had to do it on my own and, and just, and I think I've done a pretty good job, you know, but I've had to discover all this stuff on my own without having that conference and that, that community and all that kind of stuff. So I, I just, it's wonderful what you've experienced and what you're doing. Well, it's been a journey. It's been a process. Uh, and when I look back over these years, I mean, for where I am now, I understand now more so than ever what it was I was going through. And I'm thankful you all that I stayed the course. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for perseverance. Mm -hmm. I, I kept getting up, putting one foot in front of the other. Uh, were there times that I thought about throwing the towel in? Yes. 
uh, in my former life, so to speak. <clears throat> I, I I was a musician and played the drums in a band, and uh, I was a pretty good pool player. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there were a few times that I felt like going back to picking up the pool stick, but no, that thing was just too real to me, and I and I wanted to figure it out. I wanted it to work, and I'm thankful that uh, you know perseverance, steadfastness. I'm I'm just thankful that I stayed the course. Yeah. I don't think that they would have. I, I don't think that your path would have allowed you to do it, even if you had. <laughs> honestly, I, I think you would have tried to do it. Because yeah. every time that I would try to go back into what I call muggle world, where I'm just like doing like the normal nine to five. I would get body slammed by some spiritual experience and be put into this whole other like unexplainable world. So, you know, I, it, it's, yes, you get tested. You for sure get tested, Yeah. but yeah. your, your higher self is going to keep you on track. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm thankful that, <clears throat> that that was more dominated in my life than me catering to my, my lower self, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, again, I was, I was determined. I mean, I just, when I look back, I'm just thankful that I was steadfast and unmovable, always abounding. <laughs> so I'm curious, how do you handle some of those big topics that people struggle with? At 13, I struggled with how can God love humanity and yet banish 75% of them to hell because they don't believe in Jesus? Or how how can you say that we're born sinners when we come in with absolutely a blank slate. How can we be sinners already? How how do you handle some of that with your congregation? How do you explain that? Well, believe it or not, I think that the, the, the thing that I hear more out of people and have heard out of people all of these years really is how to grow spiritually, how to get closer to God, how to experience more of his love and his power and, and you know, how, 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 uh, how transformation takes place you know the fruit. Of, I mean, it, it it wasn't those kinds of issues. So when I when I saw the pathways of the various religious practices in 1974, 75, 76, saw that there was a method to the madness. I was determined to try to figure out how can I help people move along spiritually. And see, I think that if you can help them do that, that settles all that other stuff. It really does. You know, that's the way I. That's the way. That's been my experience with it, okay? And even today, uh, if I was to announce, you know, that I was going to have a, a class presenting my book and my the details of the journey, people would come because they want to move along spiritually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't those other issues. Well, that's that who aligned was. That's who were the people that were aligning to you, were the ones that were looking for that transformational experience because mm -hmm. all of those it's interesting because those questions that you're talking about they are of like i, I don't want to say it's wrong to say lower or whatever vibration but but they're they're mired in a different place correct you Good know point. than the focus on being connected to all good point mm -hmm. yeah and i know yeah when i was in the church there were a lot of people who and i felt this way too it's like you feel like you can't go to god except through the pastor or through somebody who's better or yeah. Yeah, connected. Like I do pray, but I don't spirit. hear anything. He doesn't speak back to me. I ask questions and I don't hear answers. Mm -hmm. And so this is the kind of thing you're covering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm curious. Like, what do you say? And and you know, it depends on where, of course, your belief is, what your experience, what your point of perspective is. Um, about how do people come to you and ask about suicides? Because that's and I thought in the Baptist church, like suicide would be like hellfire brimstone you know really bad all that kind of stuff um do you face questions like that very often down through the years yes because people have uh have had family members who have done this cousins and co-workers and that kind of stuff and uh, when i was in college at simmons bible college in particular and was studying some of the philosophers uh, i can't remember the guy who made mention of the fact that persons who commit suicide uh are not really trying not really wanting to die they really want to live mm. but because they can't really live they would rather go on and die mm. wow and, uh, you know i think that uh i think that that's 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 what i've made use of and i and i did get that to the pulpit to relieve some people who 
you know, depression and mental health issues that we face today, it was like that in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s when I was pastoring. And um, my exposure helped me to, to, I was told when I first started pastoring that the genius of the black preacher was his ability to interpret life. Hmm. And that's, that's what I majored in. I tried to make life make sense <laughs> with all of its challenges, you know, and um, those issues like, um, you know, like uh, uh, suicide and I don't know, many other kinds, but it, it, it comes down to, in my mind, knowing. There's a knowing, <laughs> you know, and I think that if, if you know, I, I challenge to think the thinking of people, my major, my minor in the, in the college was, uh, was psychology. My major was religion, but I loved uh, sociology as well as political science. And in, in sociology, I learned the behavior of people in psychology. I learned the thinking of people and in philosophies, I, I learned the, uh, religious outlook or beliefs of people. And in my preaching, I try to touch on all of that, that's you know, cool. and uh, that's what gives the black preacher uh -huh. a little bit more. That gives the black preacher a little bit more than twenty minutes, especially if you can close with some music. and when you're in those sessions on Sunday morning, the Sunday morning session, it's not only celebrative but it's therapeutic. Oh yeah. The, after the benediction, people went home. They didn't go to the lake. They didn't go to the mountains or cabin or, or it, they, they went home and got ready for Monday morning. I had to know and understand my place in the lives of people. And I'm, I'm convinced that if people know you and trust you, they will hear you. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the big things that I'm learning, and you may already understand this, is that the more that we can speak that truth, and truth doesn't mean there's one objective truth, but it's the truth from within our divine essence, speaking from the heart like that, it gives other people permission to do the same. Yeah. Because Absolutely. once they hear you say it, then they feel comfortable to ask those questions or to talk to other people. One Sunday morning, I'm, I mentioned the fact that uh, <laughs> I mentioned the fact that I, I had made use of some singing bowls. I just made mention of it I, from the from the pulpit. Yeah, I, just, I don't even know how it worked in in, in what I had to say. <laughs> but when I got home, telephone rang, and there was a girl in the church, woman of the church. She said, "I was so glad to hear you talk about singing bowls." And I said, why is that? And she kind of went into what she, you know, what she was. But to hear me say it as pastor gave yep. more legitimacy to it. Yeah. yeah. And and she ended up buying a couple of more books. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and, I, and I'm looking at mine on, on, on my shelf over here, right across from me every now and then. I, yep. You know, from the, the vibration. I'm telling you. Know, so, I mean, when they hear it from the pulpit, you know, I hear it from the pastor. It could be in Bible study. I get more accomplished in Bible study than I do, I think, than I do from the pulpit across the years. But even now, I think it's pulpit work more than anything. But uh, yeah, when uh, when I get into divine design and functionality and synchronicity, they know where I'm coming from now. You know, so that is so. That Speaking is so of, amazing. I love it. I love it. Live up. Right. Speaking of, go to one of your. I know. Right? I know. We're taking a road trip to Kentucky. Wish I weren't so <laughs> far. <laughs> but um, tell me about your view of the Bible. A lot of people believe we we know that it's the inspired word of God. However, it came through man, and man, humanity, we're flawed. We're not perfect. We're not divine, in that way. However, some people believe that you should read it word for word and read it um, literally, literally. Thank mm -hmm. you. <clears throat> Other people say you need to read it and kind of interpret it and use the metaphors and, and the different English language. Um, what, what is your view on how to read the Bible? Uh, yeah. I, I'll say this. Um, you should say, and how has that changed over the years? <laughs> or has it? Yeah. It, well, it, it, it has changed. It, it has changed, but um I recognize it 
is sacred material. I really do. Uh, you know, um, I, I do know that in my first church, there were many people in the church that had this real love for the word of God. I mean, that's the way they looked at it, the Bible, the word of God. And uh, it was not all just the King James version of it either. Some people began to make use of other versions, but um, the first church I pastored, they were a a Bible-based church, okay? So that's, that was my introduction to it. And plus my grandmother, you know, she... Uh, she she had me read to her every night before I went to bed. There was eight of us in the house. She could have asked somebody else sometimes, but she always asked me. I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, in addition to that, my great 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 grandfather uh, started the church. He entered the ministry in eighteen seventy one. I entered the ministry in nineteen seventy three. Wow. He passed the Pope Memorial Church and uh, Pilgrim Baptist Church. One church for forty seven years. The other church for five uh, forty five years. But by vocation, I mean, it was bi-weekly or whatever. And uh, he did 47 years. I've done 50 years. Okay. And, uh, you know, some people would say that I was the old uh, chip off the old block or whatever. But uh, getting back to this thing about, about, the, about the Bible, uh, you know, it there's that, that, something, there's some magic in it. There's some mystery in it. There's some, you know, I, I take what it says and I, I've learned to, Allow the word of God to dwell richly in my heart. I've seen it bear proper fruit. You can talk about it all you want to. I'm not going to part with it, you know. And uh, whenever I would meet someone who had problems with it, I would say, do you know enough about it to disagree with it? Mm -hmm. no. <laughs> and most folks, they, they, they know of a few so-called contradictions in there about what they've heard, and they've heard the attitude of some other people. But I would ask, what do you know about it? What have you experienced of it? So when I went to uh, Simmons Bible College and uh, <laughs> there was a professor from Southern Baptist Seminary who was there teaching a class and he was teaching on uh, eschatology. Never heard the word. <laughs> you know, end time stuff that I just, I mean, I didn't look at it like that. And he was trying to get this framework developed about how things were going to unfold. And uh, in my position was, I don't know how this thing is going to end up. I'm just going to trust God with, with the end. And uh, the rest of the book, I've embraced it. I, I teach it. I preach it. I, I, you know, and you know, I know about this allegorical stuff. I've done some allegorical inter interpretations, metaphorical interpretation, metaphysical interpretation. And, you know, I feel like I am a contemplative. I feel like that there's a mystical element in my spirituality. I use all of that in the interpretation of the word of God, but then at the same time, I would labor to make sure that people know how to appropriately apply that to uh, that. Uh, that's right. That's what I do with it. That's amazing. Fantastic. That gives me chills. You it gives me chills. <laughs> it absolutely does. You answered it way better than I asked the question. <laughs> well, because some people use it as like it's a sword. They wield it, mm -hmm. you know, right. in such a way, you know, to control, to to sway, to whatever. But I, I loved when you said earlier in this conversation about how you know, there's people who are privately suffering. Mm -hmm. They're in the pews and like everyone, you know, everyone has their thing going on. You know, it's just, and, and, and to recognize that and to bring something meaningful yeah. because I've been, you know, I've, throughout the years, I have been to church. I've been to a variety of different churches and, um, and the, the sermons were like, they're, they're talking from the Bible and they're sharing this stuff. It, but then you have no way of applying it. Like it's, 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 it's like, this is the way it is. And, and you don't know what to do with it then. Right. And, and I've, I guess unit unity church has mm -hmm. been the most um, applicable for me where um, they would take something out of yep. it and then they would expand upon their personal life, their personal experiences and that kind of thing. And I could, I could, my brain just worked better. I could learn more from that perspective because yeah. they I, were, they were, applying it for me. And I think, you know, the, the, the experience that I had in the, in the Methodist church with our, with our congregation there, uh, was one that's very similar to what you're speaking of. They, 
the 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 pastor would would you know the sermon was derived you know obviously from from biblical teachings and and whatnot but it was applied teaching the the one typically about his golf game well that or or <laughs> or, or even or even his military life because he was prior military he served right. i think he retired from the from the from the military so he was able to as you were saying earlier with the with the analogy of the of the laxative he was able to wrap it beautifully <laughs> so it could be consumed by all right yeah. and, and and you didn't really realize by the end of the service you didn't realize that you were sitting in a, a you know something that was seeped in a Christian study or, a, or or biblical prophecy or whatever it might be it was more you're listening to someone's journey through this and how it's applied and then at the end you leave and you go okay well I can make sense of that and I can utilize that throughout the next week and that's I think what made it so much more profound for me where if it was just the the typical just hammer at home and you know, you're you're leaving there big eyed and scared that you're gonna you know stumble fall fail go to hell as soon as you leave the doors it's yeah it, it might have been a completely different experience so yeah now see I don't think that uh Bible colleges today and theological seminaries today are going to provide that angle that we just talked about for preachers in the years to come I mean they are steep in that tradition. Mm -hmm. 3D all the way. I mean, 3D all the way. You know, the traditions, the customs, and all that. They, I mean, that's where they are. I think that uh, I still have a great appreciation for the church and love the church dearly, the church proper as we know it. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't intend to separate myself from the church and that kind of stuff. I do see um, some work aside from, you know, and, um, you know, I, I hope to one day be able to help some younger preachers mm. at an earlier age, you know, to, to consider this. And, um, you know, when I was, uh, <clears throat> there was a professor of mine at Lexington Theological Seminary, which is where I did my theological training. Um, he had me come to the, to his class every year. I think I did it for like a three week period every year for eight years. And, uh, <laughs> I couldn't figure out why he kept inviting me back. I just, you know, I, I, he and I were good friends. And, you know, I, I do his class and then I go by his house and he fixed me a sandwich and bag of potato chips and a, a cup of coffee. And that was my compensation because, I mean, I just loved him. <clears throat> he enjoyed talking with me and that kind of stuff. So after about eight years, I, I ceased doing it. And uh, I caught up with him later and, uh, and uh, asked him about, you know, who was doing the class. He said, ah, he said, no one's doing the class now. No, he said, after you left, he said, I'll stop doing it like that. <laughs> he said, but do you know why I had you come every year? I said, no. <laughs> he said, at the end of the year, because he had about maybe <clears throat> eight to 10 guests come in every semester. And he said, told me that the reason he had me come back every year was because at the end of the year, he had the class vote on who they enjoyed, either enjoyed the most, received the most from that kind of stuff. He said, and Willis, you came out on top every time. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. I didn't know how they were receiving my information. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea. And um, I'm at the place now where, I mean, I do know, I do sense, I do understand that I am conveying to people something that's bringing about relief and relief mm. they are experiencing experiencing it inwardly that's where the work is so with the money and 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 all that we've been through and we've been through plenty <clears throat> there was a place maybe about five years ago i asked them i said now what direction do you all think we ought to go now i said we 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 can go this way. We can go this way. I, I just talked about the different directions. I said, what other direction do you all think we could go as a church? And then, you know, quite naturally, plenty of discussion. And uh, I told them, I said, here's where I think we need to go now. And they said, where? I said, inward. They were like, oh, never thought about it. 
Oh. And then in addition to that, it was like, well, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that's what this, that was the beginning of the development of that because I understood and knew how to go inwardly. Right. It's a journey in spirit, not a journey across geography. Ugh. Right. Wow. And you know, that's so interesting because I can't tell you how many hours I spent trying to change the name of my first book, which was The Journey Within. That was the first thing that I was called to title it. And I didn't like it. I thought it was too boring. It wasn't jazzy enough. It wasn't going to get people's attention. (laughs) I tried and I tried and I tried and nothing would stick. And then probably a year after, I knew it was because it is a journey within. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And there were so many other things, other spiritual teachers talking about this journey within, going within, all of that. Everything came down the pike after that. And it was so purposeful. And then I see your book, your workbook. I mean, it's just so synchronous and that is what we need to be doing. And it's an individual journey. You can walk it with others and have support of others, but ultimately it's up to you. It's all you and your connection to source, your own unique connection to source. Mm -hmm. I just... Um, I just retitled, like, I don't offer workshops and courses. I call them journeys. Mm-hmm. And and I know nobody quite understands what that is, but it's going to be their own. It Like, of course, I'm going to teach you this information. A journey mm-hmm. is, here's this information. What are you going to make of or it? I don't know where you'll end up. Of course, yeah. I know where you're going to end up, but a yeah. journey, I don't know where you're mm-hmm. going to end up. And the, lady, the, the, the other piece in that is... Uh, recognizing that uh, all of that you can find in the scriptures. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I use biblical references. The getting started, it, 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 it's, it's, you know, it, it's a thing of God. It's, it's in the beginning, God got things started. When, when Abraham left Ur and began to make his journey uh, in a life of faith, it was, it was, it was God who said something to him. When, when Moses got ready to go down and do the liberating of the people in Egypt, it, it was God who spoke. I mean, he gets, source gets it started. And oftentimes people miss his presence, his guidance, his, because they're not, they, you know, they don't have the eyes to see it or the ears to hear it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when I, when I labor it through, through my booklet, I worked to help develop, the eyes to see or the ears to hear. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that one of the things that really begin, two things really that really have come home to me in recent years is uh, it has to do with um, divine design. That's what I call it. I begin to see patterns and rhythms, uh, not only in the word of God, but just in life in general, you know, and I began to pick up on those and uh, begin to detail them and that, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, either in the, the number three or the number seven or the number 12 or whatever, I began to see those numbers at work. And, and you know, I, I wanted to gain an understanding of, of, of those as well. And then in addition to that, learning the voice of God. Mm. How subtle, how gentle. <laughs> Oftentimes I would say to the Lord, I would say, would you please turn up the volume? <laughs> it's like the Lord says to me, no, you turn, you turn the volume down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I learned how gentle, I mean, he comes to me in a still, small voice. And oftentimes I would say to the church, you know, the Lord said to me such and such. And I would say to them, but I'm also glad that I recognized it and caught it when it happened. Now somebody else may call it, you know, something else, but that's what I recognize it as in 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 my faith tradition and my practice. I recognize it as the voice of God. You know, is it audible? No, that but it it's like there's a there's a there's a there's a something there that it comes in and I just see it. <laughs> you know, um, uh, his voice becomes my thoughts. My thoughts become his voice. That's how I pick up on it. Exactly. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Unbelievable. This conversation. In wrapping up, a lot of our audience members may be coming from a Christian framework or any religion. Uh, And how, how can you 
share with them um, this idea about being courageous in their exploration, being able to let go of fear, to explore those things that can deepen their relationship with source or their angels or their themselves. How, how can they let go of that fear? Well, you know, uh, uh, again, I think that uh, uh, one of the things that help that will help people is when they are with some someone that they can that they can really trust. They, if they know you, they trust you. You know, you can tell you know, run and turn three cartwheels and uh, flip over backwards. And they, if people try it, uh, I'm not saying that you you're gonna have them acting foolish or anything like that. But but when there's a trust there, people are willing to take that step now. I wish I could, in the time we have on here, I wish I could make it clear. And I don't know how many people will view this, you know, once you all put it out there. But um, I intend to do some coaching. You know, I got, I have this one publication, you know, called The Journey. But I feel that there are about four others that I'm working on that I will produce. And I want to, I want to take the balance of my days. Mm. The years that I and experiences that I've had and the knowledge that I have, I want to help people move along the way. And, you know, early on, I used to call a lot of people stand around Christians. They just standing around, ain't going nowhere spiritually. But I want to be able to coach people and help them get past the entrapment that many of them are in as a result of, you know, the, the, the matrix that they're in. They just, they, they can't get past it and they're going to have to find someone that they can align themselves with in the eighties. When I uh, separated myself from the money uh, from the first Baptist church for sales, I went to work for the uh, state of Kentucky in the department of vocational rehabilitation. And I helped set up um, uh, uh, supported employment programs for Kentucky's severely disabled population. That was not a one-man task. There were other professionals in the field that I learned to consult with. And after four and a half years of that, getting back in the church, the pastor can't do it all. But you cannot get the pastor to understand he cannot do it all. Mm. And there's a need to make references and consult with other professionals in the field. So when I meet somebody that I know is more than just spiritual, it's emotional, it's biological, it's, it's whatever, I learn to make, you know, doctor's appointments and visits and all of that kind of stuff. But from a spiritual standpoint, I mean, even if it's something beyond even, I, I mean, I know enough, I'll recommend people to you guys, you know, when, when, and, and in fact, I have already mentioned you all to some people. And uh, Allison, I have already uh, referenced your book to a person, you know. So it's 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 bigger than me, okay. It's bigger than me. I, I recognize that, and the people that are in the, still in the matrix that are bound by tradition and custom, they they want out. They just don't know how. Yeah. And I hope that this kind of you know you know rings the bell or whatever. It makes people know that hey, that that. You know, the way out is, is in. Yeah. I love it. What a way to wrap this all up. So if somebody is feeling connected to you and wants to reach out for some Christian guidance, uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, uh, I think I gave you an address uh, of a website that I've, you know, I have started what is called the Institute for Higher Christian Consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it's just based on a couple of passages of scripture and, you know, uh, uh, it's it's vihcc.org. We'll put that below. Okay. Uh, that that's one way, and they can always leave a message on there. Uh, that website is is not fully developed, so they can go to it and they can still reach me. But then they can always email me at revwillispoke at gmail dot com. Revwillispoke. That's all one word at gmail dot com. Put that down there as well. Yeah, if if they can just you know shoot me a text or whatever, visit the website or whatever, um, you know, I'll respond to it. 
Well, Reverend Polk, this has been such a blessing. I've had goosebumps. I know you have yeah. the whole time. <laughs> on, fire. on fire the whole time, for sure. And uh, I'm excited for our viewers to, to see this and to let us know in the comments what they thought about this conversation. And I think mm -hmm. it's going to be spread far and wide. Thank yep. you so very much for taking time out of your day to speak with us. Good to be here. Enjoyed uh, talking with you guys. And, uh, you know, uh, I've had I've had my session with you all, and whether you all know this or not, I've listened to it about maybe eight times. Wow! <laughs> taking deep, taking notes and stuff like that to it. And, and Will, you were you were you were spot on with my children. You were. I mean, they are way up. They are way ahead of me with this. I mean, they are. You know, amazing. And, you know, I, I you know I just know that when I go back and look at our sessions, you were spot on. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, thank, thank you, you for that. Thank, thank you, you for that. And thanks again for speaking with us. And thanks to all of you viewers for watching the Out on a Limb podcast. Please share this far and wide with anyone you think uh, might benefit from all of this information. Mm -hmm. Until next time. See you guys. Bye. Peace and blessings.